Warning, the following program is solely intended for a mature audience. Any of the idiotic opinions and views expressed on this show are solely opinions of Dark Cringe Radio and not of its advertisers, which is completely pointless because this poorly produced, dumbass podcast has no advertisers. Furthermore, any rebroadcast or redistribution of Dark Friend Radio podcasts without per- the permission is strictly prohibited. If you do, we will find you. And then we will send three black-eyed children to your home or office to collect your soul. Thank you. Enjoy the show. Coming to you live from the Mistopheles Studios, it's Dark Friend Radio. Our Fridge Radio. Will Martinez with you guys tonight, and thank you for joining in on the podcast. And we got a great one for you tonight, and I promise you, it is a great one. Got everybody on the line with us tonight. We've got Jake Losey. Jay, Jay, what's up? What's going on, dude? Not much, man. You sound great tonight, man. Very good quality. Yeah, sounds good. And of course, Gab, Gab, you on the line with us tonight? I am. What's up? How's it going? Good. Awesome, awesome. Stoked about the show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, well, tonight um, we're going to be talking about serial killers, and we're going to get into the mind of serial killers. And, um, you know, it's something that um, is a, a pretty prominent subject when it comes to, you know, the horror genre. I mean, it's, it's you know, chock full of it. Uh, but we'll be getting into all that here in a minute. I wanted to, of course, go through the social media stuff, as always, uh, just to get that out of the way real quick. Um, you can always catch us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, all you got to look up is uh, those three words, Dark Fringe Radio. And um, and that's it. Um, you can find all our information there. Uh, we're constantly posting stuff on uh, all those three fronts, um, especially on Instagram. Uh, you can catch uh, cross-posting from Gab and us here at Dark Fringe Radio. She's always posting stuff on her Instagram, uh, talking about different movies and stuff like that there. Uh, so we're always putting that stuff there. So just check out all those three fronts. I'm sure you'll be definitely entertained for hours there. Another thing, just wanted to remind everybody how to listen to the show very quickly. iPhone users, all you have to do excuse me, is go to your iTunes app. Uh, go there, look up Dark Fringe Radio, and uh, go to the podcast section. Boom, it's right there. Make sure you subscribe. Give a five-star review. Leave a comment. And um, and that's it. Uh, it's very simple there. And then if you have an Android phone, all you have to do is go to your Play Music app, which is the, uh, the app that looks like a, a little uh, orange uh, triangle that's uh, inverted to the left, or to the right, I should say. And um, all you do is look up Dark Fringe Radio. Same thing. Look to the podcast section. It's right there. Pop in there. Uh, leave a... Um, a comment and a rating, and of course, um, subscribe, please. Um, you could have it downloaded to your device on both of those uh, methods, or um, just have a reminder sent to your phone. Uh, that way, once the, an episode is dropped, you are notified right away. That's pretty much it for the intro, guys. Uh, we're going to be jumping into the news segment here in a second. For 15 years, I've been trying to teach you how to write a lead. Do I have to do everything myself? Get the story, write the story? We'll do it live! Fuck it! I was looking at the James Brown wig. Fucking thing sucks! That's your kind of thing, Maria. You love doing it yourself. Sometimes, yeah. I, I can. Take Confucius say, I do not think this story had much validity. 
So, Jay, um, is there anything on the news that uh, caught your attention this week? Uh, you know, the biggest thing that, that – I, I had a couple things I want to talk about. The, the first one, the biggest thing that kind of caught my eye, I know we last week or a couple weeks ago, we talked a lot about what had happened over at Stoneman Douglas, which isn't but a, a skip away from where we live. But there was another school shooting um, in Maryland. I don't know. Did you hear anything about it? Yeah, I heard about that one. Is, is that the one where the there was a school campus cop that actually retaliated back in time? Yep. So there was uh, two te- two teenagers were shot at a high school in Great Mills, Maryland, by an alleged classmate who they had had a prior relationship with. The suspect was Austin Rollins. Uh, he had shot a fourteen year old and a sixteen year old girl whose names at this uh, at this point hadn't been released. Uh, at least not since this not at this point this morning. Um, Rollins, the suspect, seventeen, died after exchanging gun a gunfire with the school resource officer. Um, the school resource officer was a former SWAT team member, uh, fired one time from his handgun uh, and put down the suspect who had gone into the, the school uh, and shot the two other, the two other kids. And I don't think this story is getting as much recognition as it, as it really should be. Um, any shooting in a school is a tragedy. Uh, it makes, any of us parents fearful for what our kids are going to go through on a day-to-day basis uh, and, and it's in a place where they should we shouldn't have to be worried about their safe returning home but heroes like uh like the, the school resource officer in this case prove that it's good to have someone or a handful of people who are on campus who are prepared just in case something bad happens because unfortunately in in this day and age you have to be prepared for just about anything. Yeah, you do. And I, I honestly, I don't have a problem with a uh, school resource officer who usually is a um, ex-military, ex-cop. Usually those guys are the ones that are, end up in those positions um, after you know they've done their service. I don't have a problem with any of those individuals having a weapon. Um, the issue that I have is arming every teacher. And I don't, I'm not sure if that's probably the best thing. But I do agree with you. I do agree that... There should be at least someone on campus that can re- retaliate um, against something like this. Gab, do you have any um, any opinion on something like this? I kind of like feel the same way that you do. Okay, like I said, there's uh, I think there is a need for that on campus, but again, I don't think we need every teacher to be armed at the same time. So you know. Yeah, I I mean, my personal opinion on it, I, I think we should have a few, maybe a handful more resource officers, say you know two or three per school. I think school security going from the outside in could be better at times where it could be high traffic or, or what it could be easy to sneak in, like kind of what happened at Stoneman Douglas, you know, he could just, he just walked on the campus. So I think, and especially some of those older, more antiquated schools could be upgraded like that. As far as teachers having, having guns, I think personally that should be up to the teacher. I know before Stoneman Douglas, teachers weren't allowed to have if they had their concealed carries they weren't allowed to bring them in school they shouldn't have them um in the classroom with the kids but since then post that happening it really should be up to the teacher now there's a lot of things you can do and there's things that that could be purchased that will help lock a door and keep it from just being shot in um which has happened in some of these school shootings but I wouldn't blame a teacher for wanting to be able to protect themselves and those kids in that situation if the resource officer either couldn't do their job or didn't do their job uh, for whatever the reason may be. 
Um, I'm not trying to pass judgment on any resource officer that may have been uh, scared by that, that situation. That's, that's a scary situation to be in. And even though that might be their job, not everybody's willing to go run in, you know, guns blazing and possibly not go home. That's like when we did the uh, the episode talking to uh, to the police officer. He said that their their main goal at the end of the day is to go home safe, just like everybody else. Yeah, that's so, of course. But but teachers should be allowed to execute to exercise the right to protect themselves in that situation. Unfortunately, the world we live in sometimes that does would have them, you know having a weapon as long as it was safe anytime it, it what it didn't need to be used and as long as they weren't you know everybody knew about it the school the officials the administrators as long as everybody kind of knew um I, I don't see there being a problem with it i don't think it should be forced upon them though either yeah i agreed well um well, moving on to um the uh, next um the next uh, topic i wanted to bring up was uh, there is a um, deep voice software. I don't know if you heard about this, Jay, but there's a deep voice software uh, that can clone anyone's voice within just using 3.7 seconds of audio. Now, um, that's very kind of uh, frightening, uh, especially for somebody like me and you that, uh, you know, and of course, Gab, that does podcasts. So <laughs> all they need is 3.7 uh, seconds of audio and uh, they can basically... Uh, use snippets of our voice, and uh, this company called Baidu um, has this uh, this uh, program called Deep Voice, and it generates new speech accents and tones. Um, so it's not just um, it's not just you know regulated down to just certain things. Uh, with just three point seven seconds of audio, uh, the new AI algorithm developed by Chinese tech giant Baidu can clone a pretty believable fake voice. Uh, much like the rapid development of the uh, machine learning software that uh, democratized the uh, creation of fake videos, this uh, research actually shows why it's actually getting harder to believe um, anything that you see on the internet these days. Um, now, you know that's a big thing: fake news. You know, everybody talks about fake news. This is really fake news because you know you're going to be able to take somebody's voice and make them say anything and have it recorded, and it sounds basically the same. And how are you to dispute something like that? So very, very scary stuff. And, you know, uh, the researchers at the tech giant unveiled uh, their latest advancement in the deep voice system uh, developed for cloning voices. Um, a year ago, the uh, technology needed around 30 minutes of audio to create a new fake audio clip. Now, that was just a year ago. Now it's 3.7 seconds. Um, so now the technology has gotten better. And now, how do we believe anything that we see in the media now? I don't know if you believed anything you saw in the media before. No, true. <laughs> that is so true. No, listen, that's a very valid point. But even how about the most mundane things? How do you believe anything now? You know what I'm saying? Again, and, and this goes back to one of our other episodes where we talked about, you know, finding us trying our, drawing our line in the sand as to how we make technology work for us and not against us. This is something that could be used against anybody for any kind of framing or setup um, for entertainment and fun purposes. I'm sure it's neat to play around with. Yeah, not everybody could talk like Arnold, you know. Yeah, not we know can all drop it like that, like this. <laughs> so it would be fun to play around with if you couldn't do things like that. You know, all of us would be like Frank Caliendo. That being said, again, there there should be some kind of failsafe to where's things of this nature. Like, what's what are the benefits to having something that can clone your voice and make you say something that you didn't say without you knowing that you didn't say it? Yeah, that's What's a, the benefit. That's the scary part. And not only that, 
This system can actually change a female voice to a male voice. It can change a British accent to an American accent. So it could do so many different things. It's not just so much as just cloning your voice. It could completely change your voice if it needs to and make a totally different person. So, you know, it's an intriguing thing that you see, you know, more and more in the news that are we really needing this type of AI at this point? Do, is this technology. Nece- yeah, is this yeah. technology necess- really necessary at this point? Do we need something like this? What, what good is this going gonna to come out of this? That should be the question before anything gets developed is what, what's the good? Not should we because we can, but why should we if we can? Wise words by Jay. So, uh, Jay, anything else on your side over there for the news? Yeah. Did you hear that April is going to become uh, White History Month? April is White History Month. I thought every other month besides February was White History Month. Hey, hey come on, bro. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There shouldn't be any one particular month. Like, there, there's no reason it needs to be Confederate or White History Month or Black History Month or uh, Pink Polka Dot History Month. All that does is separate and segregate us into our own little boxes, our own little worlds. And that's a big enough issue that we run into today. There's nothing wrong with being proud of who you are and where you came from. But there's also nothing wrong with being accepting of where you are now and finding your own little niche in a grander society. You know, and I find that these things, when I, when I saw it this morning, I laughed. I literally laughed out loud at how just ridiculously stupid it is. Not just to have, like I said, a white history month, but do we really need a black history month? Do we really need a brown history month? Do we... I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but we should celebrate all the histories of all of them because it took all of them to get us where we are today. I agree. Um, I also agree that we should teach real history month, um, real history, not like the fake history that we teach in, in school these days. So again, as a whole, we should do a better job of giving a much deeper, richer history of, of all of it. I'm not saying there shouldn't be an appreciation of uh, where we've been. Absolutely. But... I agree with that. That's more my, my point. I don't. Yeah, no, you know, that's, that's a, I, it's a good point. And I believe it took a lot for all of us to get to get where we are. That's that's more my point. Yeah. But, you know, again, though, the history books is written by the winners. You have to remember that. So having that thought in mind and that mindset in mind, you always have to kind of remember to kind of appreciate all the other aspects of history as well, whether it be black history, whether it be Latin American history, whether it be uh, Native American history. And yet you're absolutely right, Jay. I agree. You know, it all should be, you know, celebrated together. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, things are not celebrated together, unfortunately, these days. So we have to have things. Well, I'm not saying we have to, but the things are the, the way they are. They are. There is a Black History Month. So that's the way it should be for right now. That's how it's set up. Unfortunately, you know, some people may 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 not agree. But, you know, I think at least as we're talking about well, it, no. and we have it out there. And, you know, it, I think right. it's and I think it's good. Right. I agree well, with you. I agree. It's it's there for a reason now because it needed to be. Because unfortunately, uh, when, like when back when we were in school, we weren't taught enough about any history aside from the, the your general history, which is written from the seat of a white guy. Uh, which me being a white guy, I understand we can be dicks. It's not my fault. But that being said, You're I also guy, I've, I've always been a big proponent of saying that there's got to be multiple sides to every story, and there's nothing wrong with understanding every side of that story and learning from it. So that way, because if you don't learn what has happened, you're bound to repeat it. So there's, there's nothing wrong with learning what we did wrong. When we set up the this particular country and government. There's nothing wrong with um, talking about the Holocaust that happened over in Germany. 
they're tragedies. They were awful. It was terrible portions of the world and, and, and a time that probably should have been dealt with in a much quicker response from everybody else in the world that wasn't. That being said, we can look at these things and say, okay, these, these are the steps that were taken that were wrong. These are the steps that could have either gone to help faster or could help us learn. And then those things didn't necessarily happen in vain. Yeah, you're right. So, uh, well, let's move on then. So let's, let's get on to the next, next subject here. And um, I don't know if anybody saw this, but I posted this on um, our social media, and I thought it was pretty intriguing. So there's areas of the world that have uh, problems with animals, you know, wreaking havoc on their crops and their harvest, right? So, for instance, here in Florida, uh, you have an invasive species of python that's invaded the area here. Um, that's kind of taking over and it's killing actually alligators. I mean, we have these huge pythons that are killing alligators. We have these uh, species of fish, uh, these snakehead fish that are just eradicating uh, other species of fish here in Florida as well. So uh, you have, you know, examples of this in every area. And in Japan currently, they have a boar problem. There's actually over 1 million boars running around Japan. And um, this company came up with this robot wolf. Uh, that uh, actually keeps these boars away. They actually chase them off, and uh, you know, you know how farmers have the scarecrows that you know do a good job of you know keeping birds away. But the um, in Japan, they're using these um, robots, these wolf robots, and uh, they're basically chasing off these boars, and they're actually being very effective in their job. So, in an effort to get the boar problem under control, this guy basically came up with this thing called a monster wolf. And it's a robotic roaming hell beast that's equipped with terrifying howl uh, that uh, also has a set of glowing red eyes. And it looks like something that you would find like that spirit, you know, the Halloween store. Um, mm-hmm. But it's really, really cool looking. I mean, it looks pretty terrifying. And I'm sure if you saw that in the middle of the night, you know, walking through the woods, you'd be pretty, you know, scared yourself. Um, but it runs right now for around $5,000. And um, it's very efficient. Um, uh, there's a lot of uh, farmers that are in Japan that are actually... Um, using this um, actual robot wolf to um, you know keep these you know wild boars out of their crops, out of the rice, the chestnuts. Um, that's one of the you know main things that um, they uh, they crop there in Japan. And so um, they have these uh, robot wolves that is being very effective in chasing off these boars. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Well, it's definitely neat. That's I mean, pretty scary. You to keep crops going and food. I just leave it to Japan to come up with some kind of an anime answer as to keep their stuff from being, you know, destroyed by boar. Yeah, and I, I, Gab, I agree with you as well. That's pretty freaking scary. Like, I could totally see that turning on somebody, and then next thing you know, your 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 robots have turned on you, and <laughs> what happens then? Right. You know, yeah, that- exactly. I mean, like, why, why are we killing off our own, like, real-life wolf population when we could have deported some over there instead of making a robot wolf that's like gonna go haywire funny you should say that japan actually did have wolves at one point but they eradicated them in the um late 19th century so yes it's a problem that they kind of put on themselves for eradicating the wolf population yeah definitely yeah so i don't feel bad when like a little kid you know gets attacked by this robotic wolf they shouldn't have killed off the real one <laughs> <laughs> Right? <laughs> Take out the robot wolf, right? What the hell? <laughs> Jay, what do you I kind of want one. I know. I kind of want one, too, to keep around the property here. Just keep off the kids off my lawn and shit. Uh, Jay, anything else on your end? Uh, no, that was it for me. 
That was it for you? Okay. Well, I had one other thing that I kind of wanted to uh, bring up. Did you know, Jay, and I know this kind of goes back to our childhood, the FBI actually investigated Dungeons and Dragons players back in the 90s. I did know that. Yeah. And uh, it was a pretty serious article because at the time they were looking for the Unabomber. And the Unabomber, you know, was a very prolific guy at that moment. Nobody knew who he was. You know, he they had that one sketch of him with the hoodie on, with the glasses. But nobody knew who he was. And that even sketch didn't even look like the guy they, they caught. And no. that was the actual guy. Which goes to show you those sketches are worth shit. Um, but the FBI was investigating Dungeons & Dragons players because back then in the 90s, there was a group of players that some of them actually suspected the others of actually possibly be, you know, being one of those bombers. Uh, but it actually ended up being not true. But it was pretty interesting that the FBI actually investigated Dungeons & Dragons players back in the 90s. It's just kind of crazy to think about that. Well, back in the day, D&D players, as we so eloquently called ourselves, we were kind of frowned upon uh, as it was. We were, we were even, even the nerds that didn't play kind of frowned upon us. Um, you know, we were always kind of considered strange or, uh, you know, not a lot of people could, under, could understand how you can envision what's going on with a piece of paper and some dice. I always found it to be a great exercise for imagination, a great exercise for problem solving. Uh, it's a good way to actually build teams because there's a lot of actually great things go into to Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, yeah. Just goes to show you, the FBI will look into anything they got to look into. Yeah, definitely the problem-solving aspect of it. That's like probably the main thing that I would say you would be able to take away from that. But it's funny that you mentioned that, how they kind of frowned upon and uh, how they looked down upon those people, or us, I should say. Um, they actually described uh, us as armed and dangerous, which I was never armed, maybe dangerous. Um, extremely intelligent, <laughs> check. Uh, overweight, check. And uh, not neat in appearance. I was all right with that. But uh, well, okay. So let's let's run down that down those for me. Okay. Never armed. <laughs> uh, dangerous. I'm gonna leave that up to anybody to decide. I don't want to go telling nothing about nobody. What was the other one? Extremely intelligent. intelligent? Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Cut that out. <laughs> overweight. No, you never were uh, overweight. I, was, I graduated high school at 112 pounds. Yeah. No way. I'm not overweight even today as it is. I'm I'm definitely old and out of shape. And then the last one, I thought I would look okay. Yeah. I didn't think I was too much of a slob. Yeah, no, no, no. But I, again, an interesting article. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's just kind of crazy to think that the FBI, like you said, uh, has to investigate everything and will investigate anything. So, well, um, uh, that brings us to our next seg- segment. And that, of course, uh, will be uh, Gab in her horror movie review segment. And I uh, just want to remind everybody. Um, again, uh, just if you could, uh, please uh, like and share all our social media and uh, pass along the message. Pass along our, our information to other people that you think that might like the uh, podcast, and uh, we would certainly appreciate it. And uh, we are planning on doing a uh, live uh, podcast here in the near future. Uh, Gab doesn't even know about it, so I'm just uh, springing that upon her right now as, as we're talking. So she's probably <laughs> laughing to herself. Surprise! Uh, <laughs> surprise! Uh, but uh, yeah, that's in the near future, um, but that's in the works. But I just want to let everybody know. Next is our horror movie and review segment with Gab. And uh, we have a great uh, list up for you here tonight. And uh, just stay tuned. Who is this irresistible creature who has an insatiable love for the dead? All right, and welcome to the horror movie and review 
section of the podcast, and of course with Gab. Gab, what's going on, girl? Hey, hey, I'm doing good. How you doing? Great, great, great. Awesome, awesome. Thanks for um, having your little segment here. And um, I know that um, tonight's uh, theme is uh, Into the Mind of Serial Killers. So, you know, we were speaking. I was like, hey, listen, give me your top five serial killer horror movies. And I, you know, I said, let's do that. And I, th- I thought that was a great idea. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah, let's let's run down your top five. Well, my top five, uh, starting number five, is American Psycho. Christian Bale. Christian Bale, Bale in this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my God. He, he's amazing. You know, he plays like this Wall Street serial killer, Patrick Bateman, who's like the epitome of a douchebag, but he's also the epitome of what a true American psycho really is, you know? You know what's funny, a gap is is I actually I was in the mortgage business and I actually knew guys like that. Like not that they were killers or murderers, but they were like psycho like that where they would like have everything down to a T, just like how he had like his moisturizer, his his cream for this, his cream for that. You know, he was very prim. He was he was like the metrosexual at that time. Absolutely. You know, he has like this crazy obsession with designer uh suits, you know, business cards, murder. And I kind of tend to think when I see like a well put together businessman, I almost assume he's got something dark going on. <laughs> Check his hard drive, right? Yeah, yeah. There's this scene in the movie where Patrick Bateman is like hacking up this guy with an axe to Huey Lewis in the news. It's just so classic, you know. That's why it's my number five. That's such an awesome film. Yeah, that's awesome. What do you What's got... not made better by Huey Lewis in the news? Exactly right. <laughs> I like Huey and Lew- or Huey Lewis in the news better now. Yeah, right. You get more of a respect for them after that, right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> All right. So, what do you got for number four? Number four, Natural Born Killers. It's such a fun movie. Yeah, that's a great one. I love that one. That's with uh, Woody Harrelson and Juliet Lewis, right? Yes. And they play like these two lovebird killers, uh, Mickey and Mallory Knox, who go on this insane killing spree. And the movie kind of follows like the media's fascination with them. And halfway through the movie, you know, the media is like turning them into these celebrity serial killers. And I think that's what made the movie so controversial at the time um the cinematography is great the way the movie is shot it's like some scenes are black and white you know some are gritty um some are even animated you know it's like when you're watching this movie i don't know it kind of feels like you know you've just eaten like a huge bag of shrooms or something it's like this crazy trip (laughs) it's awesome yeah 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 you know and it's so it's funny that you said that yeah the cinematography is absolutely amazing and it's amazing how they went into different uh genres of film um not genres but types of cinematography of film uh when it came to animation and and, um you know different scenes and shots but totally agree with you on that film and yeah what a great film as well very quentin tarantino-esque yeah yeah, he actually wrote the script for that movie, and then he turned around and sold it for like $10,000 because he couldn't put it out there. See, I never knew that. I never, never, never knew that. And it's funny that you say that, and now that I look at that film and how it kind of goes into animation, it reminds me of Kill Bill and how it goes from live action to animation in the first one. You remember that when they were talking about uh, Oren Ishii? Uh, I think that was played by uh, the Asian lady. Uh, Lucy Liu. Lucy Liu, yeah. And uh, they went into like an animation yep. sequence there too. So that's uh, very, very uh, poignant and uh, actually uh, 
smart that you picked that out. I didn't even know that. Yeah, thank you. So uh, my number three is Seven. I love that movie. What's in the box? Um, it's got like... What's in the box? <laughs> a severed head is in the box. <laughs> Who severed head? Spoiler <laughs> I think it's alert. like Brad Pitt's wife. It is, uh, it is his wife. Oh, severed head. It's fucked up. So fucked up. I know. And Kevin Spacey plays like the best bad guy ever. The creepiest bad guy ever. Yeah. I mean, the movie follows like Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman, and they're playing these detectives who are trying to hunt down the serial killer whose uh, victims represent each one of the seven deadly sins. And I think what makes this movie so great is that it's dark, you know, and the crime scenes are really disturbing. Um, Lust and Gluttony were definitely my favorite. They were just so, so twisted. Yeah, I remember the the crime scenes of each uh, you know sin that the uh, that Kevin Spacey did, and uh, yeah, they were very gruesome, as you said, and very descriptive. And that's probably one of the first movies where I looked at. I was like, wow, that's pretty uh, pretty graphic. I was like, that's that's pretty cool. And uh, I never seen anything like that before. I know, well, absolutely. That- so my number two, oh, man, this was such a hard one because I really I kind of wanted my number two to be my number one. And I kind of feel like they're tied in a way. Torn. But number two is I Saw the Devil. I saw. I never saw that movie. I know. We were just talking about it on Instagram, too, because I put one of the scenes up there, like one of the most, oh, my God, it's, it's like a killer scene. Is that the one um, where the so, lady is looking at the camera, and then all of a sudden the dude comes with the hand with the needles on his fingers and puts it in her neck? No, no. Oh, okay. Oh, this scene, what makes this scene so great, it's like, the serial killer's in a taxi cab, and he's in the cab with these two other killers. I saw And that they one. all start stabbing each other. Yes, yes, and I saw it. the way that it's filmed, it's like one continuous shot. It's like a 360-degree circle of just stabbing and killing. It's amazing. Yeah, it's the most graphic stabbing killing I've ever seen in a movie, probably. Oh, yeah. I mean, this movie is definitely not for the squeamish or the faint of heart. It's probably one of the most badass movies I've ever seen in a long time. Mm. Um, it's definitely got one of the most brutal serial killers ever. So um, what is the actual movie? But I know it's about a serial killer, but what's his motive? What's uh, what's the whole premise of the, the crux of the movie? So the movie follows this NIS agent who is seeking revenge um, on the serial killer who killed his fiance. And the crazy thing about this movie, it's like a two and a half hour long movie, but you know, this heartbroken um, guy, he tracks down the serial killer and he beats the shit out of him, you know, like beats him like to within inches of his life. But he doesn't kill him because he wants to come back and torture him. And the entire movie is like him coming back like every single day and torturing this guy. And then finally the serial killer like catches on and now the serial killer is after him. So it's like a classic, like, case of evil versus, like, good-turned-evil. Yeah, yeah, It's crazy. Yeah. It's a crazy fucking movie. I gotta watch it. I gotta watch it. So, uh, what's, uh, the, uh, the piece de resistance for you? Number one on, uh, Gab's list for tonight. Ah, none other than the amazing masterpiece, Silence of the Lambs. That's, that's one of my favorites of all time. Oh, mine too. I mean, there's so many classics in that film. I mean classic lines like when Hannibal Lecter says you know like a census taker once tried to take me or once tried to test me but I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti it's like classic classic (laughs) um you know what I was thinking about the other day which is pretty (laughs) fucked up I was thinking about that scene where um 
Jodie Foster is walking to go meet Hannibal Lecter for the first time, and Migs, he's in the um, cell next to him, and he throws his uh, semen at her. <clears throat> you remember that scene? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was thinking to myself, if that shit happened to me, that would be probably one of the times that you would hear about me actually killing somebody. Because I think I would actually kill somebody for doing that. Oh, hell yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, what so about the scene where Lecter cuts the guard's face off oh, and yeah. wears it to escape? Oh, yeah, yeah. Jay, what were you saying, Jay? I said, yeah, anybody Spider-Man's you, that's grounds for an ass whipping. Oh, that's grounds for killing. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, that's And scene. you know what? Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say another, like, classic scene is like when buffalo bill is dancing to goodbye horses I'd i don't know about you guys but whenever i hear that song come on i gotta break my chapstick out like uh I've... jay and clerks too i like me. oh <laughs> <laughs> what a disturbing scene yeah where he tucks his penis in he starts yeah. dancing yeah 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 it's a pretty fucked up yep. scene that, that scarred me for a little bit there like for six months i couldn't hear that song like I would get like like I don't know I would get kind of weirded out if I if I heard that song for like the next six months after seeing that movie. You guys want to hear something crazy? Yeah. Go ahead. So Will knows what I do for a living, uh, but Gab, I don't know if you know what I do for a living. I I run a kids gym. I work I work with kids, and there's this little girl who comes in. Her name mm-hmm. is Clarissa. <laughs> now I know it's not Clarice, but for the longest time she'd come in. I go, <laughs> "Hello, Clarissa," and after about a month, she's like, "Coach, Dave, can you not do that anymore?" <laughs> Mr. Creepy J over there. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. Like, I'm so proud of you right now, Jay. See? <laughs> oh, I try. Clarissa. Oh, poor little Clarissa getting tortured by Jay at fucking gym. Oh, poor girl. Oh, well, that's great. That's a, yeah, that's a classic, number one. And there's so many great scenes, um, uh, especially that one scene that I always think about where he's talking to the senator. When he's tied up to the to the hand cart and he has that mask on his face, and he starts talking. To oh her, yeah. yeah! And he starts talking to her about, you know, <laughs> her nipple and this and that. And I'm like, whoa! I said, you are a deep fucked up son of a bitch, dude. Who would think of something like that? And you know, of course, Hannibal Lecter would think of something like that. So yeah, a great, great, great pick for uh, number one. So uh, anything else to add? Any other maybe um, uh, notable mentions uh, to add to the list? If anything on there. Um, of course, Psycho. I kind of wanted to fit that in, but I just felt like these other movies were better. But it's definitely a classic. Yeah, Psycho was great. Psycho was great. And of course, um, you know, the actor who portrayed uh, Norman Bates, I mean, that guy was so, so good. I mean, he did such a great job of um, uh, portraying that kind of sick, twisted, demented uh, uh, person that, uh, that he needed to be. Anthony Perkins was absolutely uh, a master when it came to that. So yeah, I, I agree with you uh, when it came to Psycho. Well, listen, um, thank you again for um, having your own segment uh, here on Dark Fringe Radio. Um, if you could, uh, Gab, tell everybody where they can find more of your information um, that uh, you know you put out there, and also I know you do reviews um, like almost every other day. It's constantly like it seems like you're always doing something. Uh, yeah, you can um, always find me on Instagram. I'm always putting my reviews up there. 
Uh, if you love spoilers, definitely check out my page. Uh, Gab's already dead. Very good. And she also posts some very creepy ass fucking videos on there with people getting like uh, killed, stabbed uh, in the neck in, the, in a taxi. Um, so, yeah, if you like that kind of stuff, <laughs> I definitely say give that a follow. <laughs> I love it. So, yeah, that's it's great. So, uh, again, we'll be moving into uh, the next segment, which is the topic of tonight's episode, which, of course, is inside the mind of a serial killer. Senator Martin, Dr. Hannibal Lecter. Dr. Lecter, I brought an affidavit guaranteeing your new rights. You want to read it before I sign. I won't waste your time, my Catherine's time, bargaining for petty privileges. Clarice Starling and that awful Jack Crawford have wasted far too much time already. I only pray they haven't doomed the poor girl. Let me help you now, and I will trust you when it is all over. You have my word, Paul. Buffalo Bill's real name is Louis Fenn. I met him just once. He was referred to me in April or May 1980 by my patient Benjamin Raspell. They were lovers, you see. But Raspell had become very frightened. Apparently, Lewis had murdered a transient and done things with the skin. We need his address and a physical description. Tell me, Senator, did you nurse Catherine yourself? What? Did you breastfeed her? Now, wait a minute. Yes, I did. Toughened your nipples, didn't it? Oh, son of a bitch. Amputate a man's leg and he can still feel it tickling. Tell me, Mom, when your little girl is on the slab, where will it tickle you? Take this thing back to Baltimore. Five foot ten, strongly built, about 180 pounds. Hair blonde, eyes pale blue. He'd be about 35 now. He said he lived in Philadelphia, but may have lied. That's all I can remember, Mom. But if I think of any more, I will let you know. Oh, and Senator, just one more thing. Love your suit. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for joining back in at Dark Fringe Radio. And we're going to get into the main topic for tonight, which is into the mind of a serial killer. And uh, I thought that would be a great episode. And... Um, me and Jay started talking about, you know, episode subjects, and I said, hey, listen, let's talk about this. This is something we haven't talked about in um, uh, at all, and um, I thought it would be uh, something that we, we should definitely talk about. So uh, I wanted to maybe start things off and get things started with uh, my first one on the list, and um, it's a, a pretty interesting d- individual. His name is um, uh, Pedro Rodriguez Filo, and he's from Brazil. And uh, he's actually the guy that kind of prompted this conversation between me and Jay. And uh, because I posted a, um, a story regarding this guy. And he's basically considered to be the Dexter of serial killers. And um, he's known for actually killing other killers. And rapists and uh, so on and so forth. 
which uh, is makes him to be one of the most you know different serial killer than most. Uh, you know, most have their own agendas when it comes to you know their method or their reasoning for doing what they do, uh, whether it's stemming from you know a childhood psychosis or whatever the case may be. You know, and this individual here, um, he was responsible for at least seventy murders. Uh, 10 of which he committed before the age of 18. So this guy started at a very young age. And, um, you know, when it came to becoming a good guy, I guess in this situation it would actually pay off because, you know, he targeted victims for the most part that weren't your just everyday average Joe kind of person. Um, he was described by an analyst as the perfect psychopath, and he went after other criminals who had wronged him. And it all started out at a, um, you know, at a rough time and. Brazil, uh, you know, growing up in the early 50s, which was, uh, you know, a very hard time in that country, very poor. He was born with an injured skull as a result of a beating that his mother took from um, his father while she was pregnant. So, you know, just coming out of the womb, you know, this kid or this guy, you know, uh, was already, you know, brought into a very traumatic, uh, you know, state. And um, he committed his first kill when he was just 14. The victim was his town's vice mayor. Uh, and the man uh, recently fired his father, uh, who was working as a school guard. So he was accused for stealing food from the school. So basically, Philo shot the dude uh, in front of the city hall with a shotgun. So that was his first kill. Uh, and that was in retaliation for his dad getting fired. Um, his second murder wasn't very long after that. Um, he went on to murder another guard who was actually the actual real food thief, the supposed real food thief, the one who actually prompted the whole thing. Um, so not only did he kill the guy who accused everything and had everything done, uh, but the actual guy who actually did it as well. So he actually fled to a different area of Sao Paulo, Brazil. Uh, and then once there, he uh, actually killed a drug dealer and participated in some burglaries as well. Um, but in the meantime, he actually fell in love. And the uh, woman's name was Maria Apreciada Olimpia. So uh, there's my Spanish there for tonight. And the... Uh, <laughs> The two lived together until they were uh, until she was actually killed by gang members. So this is the catalyst of where everything took a left turn for this guy. Everything was going somewhat okay, you know. He was still participating in some burglaries around Brazil, but all of a sudden his uh, girlfriend gets murdered by gang members. So let me uh, give you guys one guess as to what happened after that. He bought him flowers. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so he what'd he do he went on the biggest crime spree ever he tracked down several people re, uh, re, you know that was related to the actual murder torturing them killing them uh, in his mission to find the actual gang member who actually took his his uh lover's uh, life excuse me and um so all these murders that he committed was in an act of vengeance uh that started with his father the next murder that he did was actually his father after that and how did that happen you ask very simple his father actually used a machete to kill philo's mother and was actually doing time in a local prison and uh, philo visited his father in jail where he killed him by stabbing him 22 times with a pen afterwards he proceeded to take things to another level cut out his father's heart and began eating it philo was finally arrested in uh may 24th 1973 and then placed in a police car with two other criminals, including a rapist. Uh, when the police opened the door, they discovered Philo had killed and attacked the rapist. It was the start of a whole new career and chapter for Philo actually being thrown in prison, uh, where he was actually surrounded by convicts, 
which was uh, Philo's bread and butter, pretty much. Uh, that's exactly who he liked to kill. Um, so Philo killed at least 47 other fellow inmates while his time, uh, while he was incarcerated. You know, he said that he was, uh, he was interviewed, and he was quoted as saying that he actually got a thrill out of actually killing these other criminals. And it's, it's kind of like a psychosis, but you can kind of see how... In one spectrum of things, you can have a guy who kills people for no reason, and then you can actually have another spectrum of a guy who kills people for a reason, and it being because these people are evil as well. Um, so even though Philo was actually sentenced to 128 years in prison for the crimes that he committed, while he was in jail, his actual, actual sentence was up to 400 years for all the killings that he did in jail. But by Brazilian law, the maximum prison sentence is 30 years. So Philo served an additional four for the murders that he carried out in prison. So he actually, in 2007, was released into the public. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so this guy's actually in, <laughs> he's out in, like, in the world right now, in Brazil, walking the streets. This guy, he's killed over 70 people. I mean, I guess as long as you're a good guy, you don't have nothing to worry about, I guess, right? I mean, uh, yeah, like if you're going to kill people, I guess Brazil is the place to go. <laughs> yeah, you only get 30 years. That's the maximum that you could get, right? <laughs> yeah. What were you going to say, Jay? I said, you know, karma speaking wise, that, yeah, if you're going to kill people, if you already have that particular proclivity that you need to kill, might as well kill bad people. That way the earth is a little bit better by what you do that's bad. And that's his uh, that's his motto. That's his mentality. And that's what he goes by. And uh, it's a pretty uh, interesting individual. And I thought that would be a pretty interesting start to... Uh, ha- you know, start off this conversation regarding into the mind of the serial killer. Uh, Jay, um, who do you have uh, as far as um, on your list? Well, my very starting point is widely considered the very beginning of serial killers. Herman Webster Mudgett, also known as Henry Howard Holmes or H.H. Holmes, was an American serial killer in the early 19th century. Uh, he was born in 1861 in New Hampshire. Uh, and he died 34 years later in 1896 in Pennsylvania in prison by execution. And the reason why he was executed is because not only was he the first uh, recorded serial killer, but he did it on a scale like only the first could do. He created a hotel not far from the World's Fair. He would lure women to the what was called at the time the World's Fair Hotel, and he would escort them to a room. He would shut the room, had multiple rooms with different multiple ways to die. He, he had some were gas chambers, uh, some the bed will fall out and break their neck. Uh, there was all kinds of demented rooms and torture chambers he had throughout this hotel. And the hotel's sole purpose was to allow him to murder innocent women. And there's some some estimations he killed up, up to 200 people Damn. in Chicago. Damn. Yeah, he was born in New Hampshire, like I said. He was born to, uh, he was a third born child. Uh, he had a couple older sisters. His father was a farmer, but they were, they were fairly, they were fairly poor, but he was always known to be extremely bright. He graduated high school at 16. He went on, he tried to get higher educations of learning, but he was too bored because it was just too easy. So he moves from New Hampshire down to Orlando, Florida, where he becomes the city manager. <laughs> always, always Florida, right? Florida. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, yeah, that's, so, yeah. I knew about H. H. Holmes. Um, it's a quite an interesting guy because um, his racket was that he would get like uh, wealthy guys to come to stay at this hotel, 
and then kill them in these weird fashions, you know, have like these, like you said, these trick beds that would fall out and, you know, walls that had doors through them and spikes and shit and, you know, just crazy stuff. And he would kill these guys that were wealthy and then like, you know, sign off over their, you know, their fortune to him uh, because, you know, it was easily done back then. You know, forgery was very, very easy um, back in that time. So, uh, yeah, that was one of the things I remember, you know, hearing about when it came to his uh, his actions there. The craziest thing I think about the whole whole thing not not just ha- the system that this guy had in place that was at, at its time almost fail proof, um, and that includes the fact that he was married, divorced, had multiple um, mistresses on the side, uh, impregnated one. The thing that really the thing that took him down was the fact that he had killed his partner. And what he had done was he had told his he, he told his partner that. His partner found out that he was screwing his partner's wife. Uh, he told him he'd make it up to him. They would take out life insurance on the partner. They would find a wealthy man. They would kill him and make it so it looked like him, and then they could sign off on the insurance check. But actually what he ended up doing was killing his partner with chloroform. Well, knocking him unconscious with chloroform and then burning him alive. Yeah, there you go. And it goes uh, right along the um, the template of what I said earlier. You know, that's that's what he liked to do. And uh, yeah, very creepy individual. And uh, anything to add to that uh, regarding him, Jake? A little known fact is actually everybody thinks that he was arrested in uh, Chicago, but actually what had happened was as soon as it was figured out that that he was uh, that he had killed his partner Pitzel in the hotel in in uh, Chicago. They had actually moved to Texas where he had gotten some land from one of his family members who had passed away and was already planning on building another murder castle in Texas. And that's where he was eventually arrested and executed. Jesus Christ. Wow. Well, uh, yeah, that's a pretty interesting individual. And uh, I know um, I I think I heard a story about them doing a movie regarding him and his uh, his, uh, you know, life and what he did. Uh, and I think Leonardo DiCaprio was supposed to play that guy. I, I'm pretty sure that I heard that. So um, please, uh, you know, I'm sorry if I'm wrong, but um, I'm pretty sure that's correct. But yeah, very interesting individual. Gab, I know you had somebody on your list as well, right? Oh, yeah. I had um, Ed Gein, a.k.a. the Butcher of Plainfield. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, probably one of the most uh, notorious serial killers I think there is. But technically, he's not really a serial killer. He only, like, uh, confessed to killing two women. Um, He had killed Mary Hogan, who worked at a local tavern where he was known to frequent. And then uh, Bernice Warden, who was the cashier at the um, hardware store in town. Um, However, he did rob a shit ton of graves for, like, years after his mother died. Um, Born in 1906. Uh, he grew up in isolation on like this 155-acre farm out in uh, Plainfield, Wisconsin. You know, I think like most serial killers, he had a pretty rough childhood. Uh, his dad was like this raging alcoholic. You know, um, mom was this controlling religious nut who pretty much dominated the household. Uh, she only allowed her sons to leave home in order to go to school. Uh, she pretty much made sure that like the outside world would not have any kind of influence on her kids. Uh, in fact, you know, like she often punished him uh, for making friends at school. So it was really hard for him to develop, I think, the social skills that, you know, were needed to be like a productive member of society. You know, he had no friends. The only thing that he had was his mother and 
he loved her dearly, you know. So it looks like it sounds, um, it sounds like his mom really fucked him up mentally. Oh yeah, she did. Um, you know, his father had ended up passing away and it was up to him and his brother to pretty much take care of the farm and their mother, you know, both ended up having to go out and get jobs, which mommy didn't like, you know, because she wanted to keep her boys. Uh, it actually took like jobs around town to make ends meet. He was like a handy man and check this shit out. He was like a fuck. I mean, who would let their, their kid by that guy? He was crazy. He was also, um, I'm sorry, we, we kind of lost you there. What did you say that? Say that again there, Gab? Repeat that. Handyman around town, and uh, he was a babysitter. He was a babysitter? A babysitter. He was a babysitter. Now, I've seen pictures <laughs> of this guy, and he would be like the last guy that I ever would pick in a lineup to be a babysitter for anything. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, he pretty much like killed his brother, although he was never committed for the crime, but... Um, it's pretty suspect. You know, there was like this fire at the house and his brother ended up going missing and he conducted the search party and then he led the search party to his brother's body, Oh, you know, and then I think the coroner's, yeah, the coroner's, um, pretty much ruled his brother's death. Uh, I think it was like heart failure, but it was brought on by asphyxiation. Oh wow. And the townspeople, yeah, they always kind of knew he was like suspect, but he was never tried for the crime. And so what happened, you know, his mom ended up having a stroke, which left her bedridden. And he had to care for his mom, which I'm sure he loved. You know, he loved every minute of it. And then his mom ended up having a second stroke, and she died. And that's when, like, he just went downhill. You know, he pretty much holed himself up in the farmhouse. Uh, He sealed off all the rooms except for, like, this uh, kitchen. And there was, like, a side room that he slept in. He started getting really dark, you know, he took up reading like these crime stories about these horrific murders. He started studying books on the human anatomy and uh, he finally decided to leave the house and he started going to the local graveyard and uh, pretty much digging up bodies. Yeah, he confessed to uh, digging up bodies of women that had resembled his mother so, because yeah. he missed her so much. There there lies, again, the mommy problems, the issues that lied there from childhood. And it, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Gab, isn't he like the inspiration for like a, several different films, like not, not only Psycho, but the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and other films as well? Is that correct? Oh, yeah. He's inspired several classic horror movies. Um, without him, there'd be, like, no Norman Bates. There'd be no Leatherface. Um, even Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. I mean, you can thank all of that for Ed Gein. Yeah. I mean, pretty much, like, any horror movie that you watch that deals with um, homicidal rednecks, uh, grave robbers, cannibals, Anybody that has, like, a really perverse relationship with their mom, you can thank Ed Gein for that. <laughs> also, Gav, um, correct me if I'm wrong, he also, when he dug up these bodies, he would make, like, furniture out of these people, right? Oh, he did all kinds of things with this body, you know, with the bodies. He um, he confessed to, like, necrophilia. You know, he took the skin off of his victims and made lampshades. He, like, upholstered his chairs. Um, he made like dice out of human bones, which are pretty cool. I seen those online. Um, <laughs> so he was like he Ikea before Ikea. Yeah. He like took these skulls and made like bowls and cups. Um, he fucking made a nipple belt, a nipple belt. <laughs> How fucked up is that? 
<laughs> it's crazy. Um, he also made like, I think his ultimate goal was like taking these women's um, skin and he was making like a full on woman's bodysuit that looked just like his mom. And they found the suit, like it had tits and everything, you know, oh and he would gosh. put it on and uh, wear it out at night. I'd fuck me. That was pretty creepy. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'd fuck me I hard. Know, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. Wow. Well, he yeah. was crazy. Um, you know, they found him pretty much to be incompetent. You know, he didn't even stand trial. They shipped his crazy ass off, like, right to Maximum Security Hospital. And uh, he lived there until uh, 1984. He was 77 years old when he died. Damn. He died of respiratory failure and... Um, it was a result of lung cancer. Oh yeah, those. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that human flesh, uh, you know, will definitely get up your cholesterol. So, you know, seventy-seven was his max. So, there you go, man. That's uh, yeah, Ed Gein, yeah. Uh, pretty fucked up individual, and uh, so many movies, like you said, uh, were inspired by his actions, and um, you know, very prolific character. So that's awesome. Well, that moves on to me. Um, I'm gonna finish mine off with a gentleman by the name of Alexander Pushkin. And uh, he was known as the chessboard killer. I'm not sure if any of you guys know about this guy, but he was very unique in a way of uh, serial killers uh, because he would go to these parks, like where uh, in Russia they would have these chess parks where you got, you know, these parks, these like Central Park out in the, you know, in the forest. And, you know, everybody would get together and play chess. And his uh, motto was that he would go out there and, you know, play chess with these older men. And uh, next thing you know, they would be playing chess and he'd pull out a freaking hammer and hammer them right in the head and kill them right there. So he was uh, known as the chessboard killer. He was a 33-year-old supermarket worker. He was uh, he dreamed of actually suppressing um, this other serial killer in uh, Russia by the name of Chikatlo. And uh, Chikatlo is um, Mex- I'm sorry, Moscow's most notorious serial killer. I think he killed over 80 people. Uh, or actually, yeah, 52 people, I'm sorry. And um, so his goal was to surpass him. And um, Pusheshkin's neighbor said that when he was a boy, um, he remembers, you know, this guy as a like a loving, like a dog-loving, animal-loving kind of guy. So very different from, like, the Jeffrey Dahmer uh, type of um, personality who would, you know, go out and kill smaller animals and progress onto humans. Uh, this guy was actually an animal lover. Just, unfortunately, had a thing for... Um, very frail and weak individuals. Um, he actually killed children, um, elderly men. Um, so people that were very vulnerable for him were his, uh, you know, people of choice or, you know, uh, a prey of choice. He started his career in 1992 uh, when he was just 18, killing a boyfriend of a neighbor uh, that he actually had fell in love with. The boy's surgery was found dead in his apartment, and uh, the police initially believed it to be a suicide. And then um, it was also believed that Petrushkin later uh, killed a girl by the name of Olga, and uh, her body was found in the Beseski uh, Park about five years ago. So a little bit of a stretch of time went by, and he didn't murder again until about 2001, they estimated, uh, where he went on a five-year killing spree. So until the uh, summer of 2006... Uh, was when he was finally arrested, and uh, Pshushkin worked in a supermarket uh, where he stayed with his aging mother, Talia, in a high-rise block in uh, the south of Moscow. And so he spent most of his childhood in that neighborhood um, and uh, where he would go to this park, and um, you know, this is where it all started. He would observe these older men, these children, as a, as a young man, and as he got older, 
basically having these dreams and these grandeurs of killing them. And um, again, he had a stretch of five years. He attempted um, several mur- murders as while he was in prison as well. So it, it, it furthered on. Um, but just a very, very sick and in, you know twisted individual and ended up killing around uh, 45 people. Uh, in his time. So, yeah, he was able to get away with this for a good five solid years. Jesus. I mean, well, I guess the guy had goals. You know, that's... <laughs> that's what you got to <laughs> say for him, Jay? <laughs> I mean, what else can you say? The guy the guy obviously has homosexual feelings, kills the boyfriend of some neighbor chick, goes on killing <laughs> old men and, and kids, uh, does it right out in public, which just goes to show you that all those funny memes of meanwhile in Russia, not really true. Uh, <laughs> what else can you say? I mean, the guy was fucking hammering, literally hammering people to death out in open public. He was the Ricky Bobby of serial killers. If you ain't first, you're last. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. A little shake and bake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was shaking and baking, yeah. Yeah, this is sick son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, but yeah, that's uh, that's my last one for tonight, Jay. What's uh, what's your last one? Well, since we're already in Russia, I'm going to talk about a guy named Vasily Komarov, also known as the Wolf of Moscow. Vasily was a veteran of, of World War One. He served Russia. He was born in Russia in 1871, and he he doesn't have as long a list of murders as some of the people that we've talked about uh, tonight. Kind of like Ed Ginn. Or uh, Gein, I believe his name was said. Sorry, Gap. It, it wasn't so much how many people he killed. It was the way he did it. He ended up being convicted of killing 29 people from 1921 to 1923. Interesting. So you had a little short sprint there, huh? Real. It was real short. Well, confirmed that he was convicted of. Uh, there are thoughts that he had, been, he had started uh, enjoying the feeling of killing back in the war. Uh Komarov was born during the time of the Russian Empire to the Komarov family, which all suffered from alcoholism. He started drinking at 15. He went to the Russian army. He did his four years. He came out. He had married a Russian, half, half Russian, half Japanese woman. That right there. That, that, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, she would eventually die while he was in prison. Um, for robbing military warehouses. Uh, after that... She was a badass, he, huh? He's a crazy motherfucker. So what he eventually did, <laughs> his way of... His, his MO for killing people, what he would do is... He was a horse farmer. So what he would do is he would meet potential clients who were interested in buying horses, take them out to his stables, kill them, put their bodies in sacks, and either hide them around his farm or just go ahead and drop them in the river and let them go downstream. That's pretty fucked up. Wow. That, it, that's fucking crazy. I, I mean, and it was just, matter of fact, he, he would just, he would literally take him to their house, give him a couple drinks of vodka, and then he would just take a hammer and pound him on the head. What is this with Russians and hammers? I don't know, man. That's just, I guess they're readily available. Maybe they have, get, maybe they have like guess. a serial killer startup kit. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> And it comes well, with a hammer. That's you get, maybe that's something you get in Russia is like a birthright. Yeah, yeah, it's a standard serial go. killer hammer. Crush, crush people's head like spittle say. <laughs> oh man! So what was the whole? What was the whole? Um, you know, driving force for this guy to kill people. What? What pushed him? What was? What was the catalyst? Uh, mostly money and anger. 
Oh, okay. Um, That'll do it. Growing up, being coming from a poor family, uh, he knew what it was like to not have the kind of economic status that he saw others have. Uh, he did have a short stint after he came out of the army where he had some money, uh, but that didn't last very long with his with his addiction to alcohol. So that's what led him to robbing uh, military warehouses that he known about while he, from his time in the army. So he knew he needed money. He took every dime he had to open up his stable with his with his horses. But then, while you people might want to buy the horse, it's a lot of work to go find other horses and raise them and feed them. It's a lot easier to take prospective customers to your stable and just murder them there. Then you have their money and your horses. Kind of like an H.H. Holmes situation then, right? Like a Russian it, version. It definitely seemed to be on the same line, although um, obviously he didn't have as much notoriety. There's something to be said for 33 people in like three years. That's that's a lot of people, dude, in a very short time. I that's mean, this 11, guy, he may, not have, he may not have the numbers, but he had the drive and ambition. That's like once a month. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah, that's like a serious killing spree. Yeah, it's once a month. That's literally once a month, with maybe a month break in between, you know? The hammer gets kind of heavy after a while, my friend, you know? The, ham- the hammer is kind of dirty. I need to clean it. <laughs> a little vodka. <laughs> well, that's a, a pretty <laughs> fucked up individual. Anything else to add to that guy, Jay? What, what else do you want me to add? The guy was a crazy... Actually, no. There is something else to add. Uh, his wife, his second wife, would eventually um, be made aware of the killing and just went along with it. I knew she that. She eventually was, uh, when he was uh, convicted of murder uh, 33 times, <laughs> um, she had been an accomplice in like, his last 10 because she knew they were going on. She sometimes would help dispose of the bodies. Uh, she would sometimes help bring in prospective customers uh, to keep the machine rolling. That's what I say about Russian women, man. They will stand by your side, man. They will ride or die right there, huh? <laughs> yeah, for damn sure. <laughs> I promise you my wife would not do that. My wife would be like, what the fuck is wrong with you, yeah. moron? I'm calling 911 right now. <laughs> she, oh, she would. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Gab, what's your, what's your last one for tonight, hon? Ah, uh, Albert Fish, my favorite serial killer ever. Fucking fish. He's like the the hipster granddaddy. Yeah, he's like the hipster granddaddy of serial killers. He was like eating ass before it was cool. <laughs> he was the granddaddy of doing that, huh? <laughs> yeah, he was. I mean, this dude was born in like 1870. And if you Google a picture of Albert Fish, he looks like every child's favorite grandpa. I mean, he looks so sweet and innocent and frail, but he wasn't. He was like the, one of the most vile, sadistic uh, guys I've ever heard of in my entire life. Uh, he was a self-admitted child molester. He raped over 400 children uh, over a 20-year span. I mean, it's been said that he has raped a kid in every single state. He's like this wow. hideous monster. Wow. Um his favorite weapons were like a meat cleaver, a butcher knife, and a saw. Yeah. Very efficient. He was eh? a sadist. Yeah, really efficient. Um, you know, he had a really rough upbringing. He was placed in an orphanage. Uh, you know, once he became an adult, you know, he got married, and his wife, like, ran off and left him for some handyman at their house and left him with their six children. And that's wow. when things, like, started going downhill. Um 
his kids said he started acting strange. You know, he was telling people he was Christ. He liked pain a lot. He had this paddle that had these nails in it, and he would, like, call his kids into the room and tell them, like, hey, paddle me until I bleed. You know, we're talking about a guy. Yeah, like, we're talking about a guy who would take cotton balls and soak them in alcohol and stick them up his ass and light them on fire for fun. (laughs) Like, that was his pastime hobby. He's fucking warped. (laughs) He is warped. Um, what in the actual he liked to stick. fuck? It, Jason, yes, what in the actual he would fuck? like. He would have his kids like stick these cotton balls in his ass and light them on fire for him. Crazy. Hey guys, it's Cotton Ball <laughs> Monday. We're gonna stick cotton balls up Grandpa's ass and light them on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yes, like, and he did that for fun. I mean, oh. he also liked to take needles and stick them in his nuts. Like, he stuck needles. Yeah, he, like, stuck needles, like, all over his body. He liked to burn himself. Um, Then he kind of started venturing off. He started studying, like, cannibalism. He started, like, consuming these huge amounts of, like, raw meat. Uh, He was actually thrown into the loony bin a couple of times, but he was always released. The doctor said he was just disturbed. He was sane, but disturbed. Um, it's not really known when he started murdering kids instead of just raping them. But, uh, when they did finally catch up to him, they, uh, he confessed to like killing at least, um, six, he had like, he confessed to at least six murders, but, uh, he started talking about like a dozen more that he had done, but he couldn't remember them because he was like so old. His memory was hazy. Wow. You know, um. Yeah, he admitted to, like, mutilating and torturing kids. Um, This one boy, he took, like, his paddle with nails, and he, like, beat this kid's ass so hard. Like, he was tenderizing the meat, and then he, like, cut his ass off and roasted it in the oven. What? What the hell? Yes! Wow. Yes, he's so crazy. Um, His downfall was when he abducted Grace Budd, though, in 1928. Oh, okay. Um, it took the police, yeah, it took the police like six years to solve her disappearance. And the only reason they caught him was because this psycho writes like an anonymous letter to the girl's parents, leaving clues in it that like led the police straight to him. Come and in me. fact, when they caught him, yeah, when they caught him, he was like already on the run for trying to abduct a little girl from an adoption agency. Oh. Oh. So he was like crazy. The police take him in, and, you know, his appearance kind of threw everybody off because he's, like, this really sweet, old-looking grandpa. And so they're not thinking anything of it, and he, like, pulls a razor blade out of his pocket and, like, attacks one of the police officers, this old man. Wow. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, the, the the level of sickness <laughs> this individual has, I just can't wrap my, my mind around. It's just – it's such a high – another level of just – pervertedness i again i cannot comprehend unbelievable yeah and when they x-rayed him like after he went to prison like doctors were fascinated by this guy when they did x-rays on his body it showed like 29 needles in his balls alone so when they took his ass to the electric chair like in 1936 when they sent the first jolt to his body it was over 3,000 volts it failed to kill him because he had so many needles in his body that he actually short-circuited it. <laughs> so it took 
Yeah, it took two jolts to, like, kill this guy. And then once he died, what's kind of creepy is that his defense attorney kind of handed in his, um, his final statement that he wrote hours before his death. And to this day, they have never released his final statement. They say it's probably one of the most filthy, vile string of obscenities ever written that wow. they will not release it. Yeah, I was just looking some information on him, and he was known as the Gray Man, the Werewolf of Wisteria, the Brooklyn Vampire, the Moon Maniac, and the Boogeyman. So he had a, a nice uh, array of, uh, of uh, names out there for, for his actions. Yeah, and he looks like the sweetest grandpa ever, I swear. <laughs> looks are deceiving. Very deceiving, very deceiving. He, well, he kind of actually looks like my dad. Yeah, he does, Jay. He does. You're actually right. He actually does. That's that's actually a very good observation there. Well, listen, um, that puts a wrap on the into the mind of a serial killer. And um, I thought we, you know, um, reviewed some very very interesting individuals. Um, I thought um, you know everybody brought somebody very very interesting to the table. Um, is there anybody that wants to mention anybody worth noting um, to add to the list? Maybe as just a you know worth mention. I kind of think Elizabeth Bathory. Oh yeah. Bloody Mary, right? Uh, no, she's like supposed to be what Dracula. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Was made for, like, she's kind of cool because she was like a woman and she killed like thousands and thousands of like servant girls at her house. She bathed it in their blood. She like created the Iron Maiden. Oh yeah, the she's coffin. crazy, and she was a woman. Yeah, the coffin with the nails inside, right? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Fucked up. That's fucked up. Jay, were you going to say something? I'm sorry. I was going to say, for me, there's nobody of notable uh, because a vast majority, you know, we've heard of the Jeffrey Dahmers and the Ted Bundys and and things of that nature. So once I kind of looked into I knew I was going to do H.H. H. Holmes because uh, I find his story so fascinating. Um, but when I started kind of researching other serial killers, when I came across the Wolf of Moscow, that 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 short sprint. I got so kind of enrolled and enwrapped in, in his story, I didn't really look at too much. Other people who, we all know the certain, the big name ones, I was trying to bring something a little bit different. Um, yeah, no, that's... Definitely heard some, I've definitely learned a lot about crazy-ass people uh, on this podcast. And Russians and Hammers. Y'all, that was Austrian, <laughs> ignore that. <laughs> Well, that's it, man. That's a wrap for uh, Into the Mind of a Serial Killer. And um, thanks for, um, guys, uh, contributing to uh, the subject. And uh, that brings us to, of course, What to Watch. Jay, what do you recommend this week for us to What to Watch? Going along with the lines of what we've been talking about tonight, actually one of my all-time favorite shows was Dexter, um, the Showtime series, and a few years ago, uh, the last season of it, definitely, they were trying to wrap everything up. But there's been talks, and Michael C. Hall won't admit to anything. Um, but there's been talks that they're looking to reboot that whole series, which would be amazing. It was one of the best series to watch. Um, I picked it up as a – I didn't know what else to get. I was I saw this, the first season on DVD for like 15 bucks at Walmart. And I was like, ah, sure, why not? And I was instantaneously hooked. Yeah, it's a good series. Um, it's a great series. Such a great series. If you guys haven't watched it, definitely go watch it. It's got some great twists and turns. Uh, one of the best seasons is the one with John Lithgow, where he is also 
a serial killer same on the same kind of line as Dexter. And again, you have you have one serial killer kind of hunting another. Uh, you know, always good good TV, good drama. There's a lot of funny stuff in it. You have a blood expert who analyzes blood and takes a blood uh, slide from each one of his victims. I mean, it's it's a it's a great series. So I'm fingers crossed it comes back. They reboot it because I'd love to see what happens when he's a lumberjack. <laughs> very good, man. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a very good series. Uh, yeah, I started watching that when it first came out. I, I kind of te- you know teetered off around season three, I think it was, um, and I got back into it later on. But yeah, very good series and uh, very good recommendation. Well, uh, Jay, that brings uh, Dick of the Week. Um, who do you got? Dick of the Week. I've, I've I know. Mostly my dicks of the week have either been someone around uh, sports or somebody I shoot pool with or me. But this week it's a little bit different. This week, our dick of the week is Jared Kushner. Do you know who Jared Kushner is, Will? I do know who Jared Kushner is. Isn't he the son-in-law of our dear president? He is. He is. Do you have any idea why he's our dick of the week? All relations aside. Um, I am having. I have a very. Um, I'm being very uh, politically correct here. Uh, I have a very good uh, not, uh, reason of uh, believing a knowing why he would be your dick of the week. Um, but I just wanted to reiterate. Um, I said wonderful president, just in case the FBI is listening. But go ahead. <laughs> well, you know they're listening. So Jared Kushner's real estate company filed false paperwork in New York City, claiming that they had zero rent regulated tenants. In buildings, when in fact they had many, which led to the company being able to sell those proper those properties quickly for millions in profit. Uh, one case, Kushner's company actually sold three different buildings in Astoria, which is a neighborhood just outside of the Queensboro in New York City, uh, for sixty million dollars just two years after they had bought the properties for significantly less. Uh, these incidents occurred while Kushner was the CEO of Kushner Cost, uh, which the paperwork had his signature all over it the ap reported um while noting that it does not sh- that it does show the business had questionable ad- ethics a watchdog group for the housing rights initiative uh which stated that the paperwork has been compiled uh it found kushner's company had fled at least 80 false construction permits uh, sorry not fled filed 80 false construction permit applications from 2013 to 2016 uh where they said that there was no rent regulated tons where there was actually Quite a few. There was uh, ninety-four in one unit alone. So he does this, and he is still walking a free man. Correct. That would be correct. And I am assuming that is why he's the dick of the week. That would be why he's the dick of the week because <laughs> uh, just because he's he's and uh, not cahoots. Cahoots is a bad word. I don't want to say that he's in cahoots with with President Trump because who knows really what President Trump knows. I'm going to just go ahead and say that because he's so close to President Trump, he feels like he can do whatever. And there's this funny thing called the spoil system that we got rid of way back with uh, Chester Arthur. Oh, yeah. Remember that president? Oh, yeah. Who kind of kicked the spoil system to the curb. Yep. uh, Which seems to be coming back around. So, um, yeah, he's the dick of the week. Anybody who's willing to defraud for millions upon millions and just openly lie about yeah. how many, that's just... It's horrible. It's a douche move. Yeah, it's horrible. And unfortunately, that's the kind of stuff that we see on a daily basis. And, um, you know, and these people get away with it. And nothing ever happens to them. And they're allowed to walk freely. 
uh, and uh, not have any repercussions uh, regarding it. So, um, yeah, I could see why he would be Dick of the Week and uh, well-deserving. So, well, listen, uh, that's a wrap for uh, tonight, guys. Thanks so much for everything that everyone contributed to tonight. Wanted to remind everybody about the social media. Again, um, Twitter. Uh, Facebook and Instagram. Just look up Dark Fringe Radio. Um, all our uh, all our stuff is on there. Wanted to give a shout out to a couple people that are constantly reposting and liking our stuff on Facebook. Heather McCune, uh, thank you so much, and uh, we uh, definitely recognize uh, all your sharing and following. And then also, Jay, I'm not sure if you know this or not, but on the um, Instagram side, we've gotten a lot of uh, people following us as of late. And um, we've actually had some fans from Australia. Can you believe that? That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to give a shout out uh, to, it is Pseudonym Kate on Instagram. And um, she is uh, from Australia. She's a fan of the show. And uh, she listens to uh, the episodes and is a big fan. So wanted to give a shout-out to her as well. So um, that's a wrap for tonight, guys. Anything uh, for you, Jay? Nothing else for me. Just keep your head on a swivel, folks. You never know where the next serial killer is going to strike. That's true. That's true. And, Gab, where can everybody find um, all your information uh, and follow you? Uh, Gab's already dead on Instagram. Very, very good. Awesome. Well, listen, thanks so much. Again, Will Martinez for Jay Galosi and Gab. Again, this is Dark Fringe Radio, and we'll check you out next week.
Mark's blood. You've made quite a life for yourself, detective. Mm. You should be very proud. Shut the fuck up, you piece of shit. California, stay away from here. Stay away from here now. Don't, don't, don't come in here. Whatever you hear, stay away. John Doe has the upper hand. Mills! Here he comes. What? I wish I could have lived like you, you did. Shut up. What the fuck are you talking about? Do you hear me, Detective? I'm trying to tell you how much I admire you and your pretty wife. What? Tracy. What'd you fucking say? It's disturbing how easily a member of the press can purchase information from the men in your precinct. I visited your home this morning. After you'd left. I tried to play husband. I tried to taste the life of a simple man. It didn't work out. So, I took a souvenir. Her pretty head. Give me your gun. What's going on over there? Put the gun down. I saw you with the box. What was in the box? Because I envy your normal life. Put the gun down, baby. It seems that envy is my sin. Oh, what's in the box? Not until you give me the what's gun. What's in the fucking box? Give me the gun. He just told you. You lie! You're a fucking liar! Shut up! That's what he wants. He, wa he wants you to shoot him. No! No! You tell me, you tell me. That's not true. That's not true. Become vengeance, Dan. Ah, oh, she's all right. You tell me. Become wrath. Tell me she's all right! She made her a suspect, David. No! Just threw it all the way, you know? No! She begged for her life, detective. Shut up! She begged for her life. Shut up. And for the life of the baby inside of her. Ah! Kill him. He will win. Oh, God! Oh, God! Oh, 